Welcome in. We are talking all things golf here on this podcast. I'm Anita Marks. You know me from ESPN. You know how much I love golf. And we're getting really excited. Um, I've, I've aligned myself with one of the best in the business, formgolfer.com. That's where you could find them. And, uh, and, and Simon is joining me now. Simon, welcome in. I know that, um, I know that uh, we gave away some picks last week. Didn't necessarily materialize. I think it's unrealistic to think that we can win each and every week, but still, nonetheless, it was fun down the stretch. I was, I was going back and forth from watching March Madness and the Elite Eight, and I had money on Cam Young. I was hoping that he would win over Sam Burns. It's not what happened. Sam Burns, of course, won the Dell Technologies match play. Cam Young came in second. Rory and Scotty battled off in a playoff. Rory came in third. But nonetheless, some really exciting golf last weekend. Yeah, it was great to watch. I'll be honest, I was pretty horrified with how my picks for the brackets went. Um, not the best start, but like you say, it's not realistic to think we're going to win every week. And let's hope we can make a start getting it back this week with the Texas Open. And also, it's it's match play. It's a different animal. And, 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 and we know that, right? To be honest, from a betting point of view, give me a 72-hole stroke play over match play any day of the week. There's more time for the form to play out. You know, match play is so volatile, and we saw plenty of that over the last week. Absolutely. Uh, so can we welcome you in? Uh, Simon, of course, is with Form Golfer. Uh, log on to picks.formgolfer.com uh, to get a, a list of all his plays heading into Valero this week. And, uh, and of course, some really good opportunities uh, with a variety of sports books on that site as well. All right. So before we start giving uh, the names of the golfers you and I fancy this week, let's talk about some of the metrics. Uh, now, some of the metrics I was looking at. Now, again, this is uh, this is the Valero. It's played at the Oaks Course, TPC in San Antonio. It's a Greg Norman design. Uh, some of the metrics I was looking at driving accuracy because a lot of trees, tree line fairways. Uh, so I'm looking for driving accuracy, Bermuda greens. There's some wind. Putting is really important. Some of the last eight winners here on this track finish in the top five in putting average. I'm also looking at scrambling and uh, looking at little greens in regulation as well as tee to green. So those were some of the metrics that I did a deep dive into to kind of get a few of the guys that I fancied this week. But Simon, you're the expert here. And here's another thing. 10 players in this field have already qualified for the Masters. This is a last ditch opportunity for a lot of these guys to ball out to try to get into the Masters next week. Ricky Fowler being one of them, who happens to be my favorite golfer. I think he's going to be uber aggressive. So I'm going to be putting some coin on Ricky Fowler this week. So let's start first and foremost. Let's start right there. Are, are you looking at guys that haven't made the Masters, don't have that invite to the Masters yet, so a little added motivation coming in this week as opposed to the 10 guys that will be teeing it off this week that have already got the gold invite to play at Augusta next weekend? So I always think the week before and the week after majors are really interesting ones to play in because, like you say, you've got people who've already qualified and are just sort of trying to warm their game up and you've got guys who it's their last chance to get into the field. Equally, the week after I find is interesting because you've got some of the big names who've had a disappointment in the major or really aren't as bothered about the next event. So I think it sometimes puts a really interesting shape on the market for those, um, those events and I actually quite like to play in them for that reason 
Um, in terms of what I'm looking for this week, I very much agree with you. Accuracy off the tee is near the top of my list. Um, like you say, it's a tree-lined track. Um, keeping it in play is going to be key and touch around the greens as well. They're probably my big two. Um, I have had a little look at par three scoring as well because the par threes here are pretty brutal. Um, I think the longest one comes in at just over 240 yards, a couple of others over the 200-yard mark. So I have had a bit of a look at par three scoring as well. But they'll be the three I'll be focused on. Um, and, and just to kind of give you an idea in regard to uh, the, the rankings right now in this year, right, year rankings, a lot of times, and I'm curious – Simon, when you do your analysis, do you look at your rankings or do you look like the last 24 rounds? At, at, what, at what stage of the game, when you're looking at, at the statistics, uh, do you cut it off and say, you know, that was, you know, because everybody's golf game changes on a moment's notice. Um, we know that. So, you know, how far back do you feel that you look at statistics? So I very much favor recent form. Um, one of the things I try to do is I look at strokes gained over six months and then three months and then one month. And if I can see someone who's on the improving trend over that period, that for me is always a good sign that they're running into form. The world rankings, I think everyone knows, are sort of imperfect and there's been plenty of argument. I know when John Rahm wasn't sitting at the top, he felt pretty cross about that. And they're definitely not a perfect measure of how good you are at golf. One of the things I do like about the world rankings is they give extra credit for wins. And I think when you're picking golfers to to bet on knowing that they can win uh, and when they are in form, they can really go low is a big advantage. And I'd almost rather play a guy who, when he's bad, he's awful, but when he's good, he's really good. Um, Sepp Stracker is a case in point here. I, I don't think his general game justifies a world ranking in the top 30, but because when he's good, he can win, that's reflected in his world ranking. So I do look at both, but recent form is probably the big thing because, you know, as a, I mean, we're both golfers, right? And you know, when you're feeling good, you know, you can score well. Um, and equally, when you can't hit the ball, it's a horrible feeling. Absolutely. Um, so uh, again, just bigger picture here in regard to the season, uh, driving accuracy, Brandon Todd, uh, the best in uh, the group that's going to be teeing up this weekend, uh, fourth. Um, is it, I, I never pronounce, is it Aaron Ray, R-A-I? Am I pronouncing it properly? Aaron Ray? I would go with Rye, but Rye? I'm guessing. Okay. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm horrible pronouncing names. Uh, he is, uh, and, and, and it's very interesting because the metrics that I'm looking at heading into this, um, he, his name keeps on popping up, uh, fifth in driving accuracy, Siwoo Kim, 15th, uh, Kuchar, top 40. In regard to scrambling, Kuchar is first, um, uh, JJ Spawn, who I know we're going to talk about in a minute, is fourth. In regard to putting, like I said, um, seven of the last eight Winners here finished in the top five in putting average. Montgomery one, Chris Kirk five, Nick Taylor 11, Hatton 13, Fowler 15. Greens in regulation, Aaron Rye comes in um, at 15, JJ Spawn at 22, Fowler at 27, Siwoo Kim at 38, and T to Green, Hatton six, Siwoo Kim 19, Fowler 23, Kucher 27, Nick Taylor in the top 30. Uh, Chris Kirk in the top 35 um, and Ben Griffin at 38. Uh, just to give you an idea of where a number of these guys we're going to be talking about in just a second, uh, where they sit right now, big picture season rankings in regard to driving accuracy, putting, greens and regulation, tee to green, scrambling. Unfortunately, I do not have the par three metrics 
but that is something obviously that our listeners could go and look up online at pgatour.com. With that being said, Simon, feed the people your winners. First and foremost, you are all over Nick Taylor. Finished second at the Phoenix Open uh, earlier this season, tied for 10th at the Valspar. Um, why do you like Nick Taylor heading into this weekend's tournament? So the main reason I like him is I think he's still undervalued in the market. I think he's been, like you say, he's been on our radar for a few weeks. We put him up when he came tied 10th a couple of weeks back. And I just think his form means he should be getting more respect than he's got in the market. Um, He played nicely enough in the match play last week, although he didn't get through his group. That might be to his benefit here because I think I'm looking to avoid anyone who went deep in the match play last week because, you know, seven rounds or up to seven rounds in five days is a lot to get through. Um, I've actually got the Genesis down as a good sort of correlator for this tournament um, and he came around the top 30 in that and that was a far better field than he's up against this week. Um, he hasn't got any form um, at San Antonio, but on balance, I'm not too worried about that because I've just got him down as a guy who's improving. And in one of these weaker field events, I could certainly see him placing, if not going very close to winning. And around the 55 to 60 to 1 mark, I've got him down as the best value in the field this week. Yeah, 60, and one, 60 to 1 to win, uh, around 11, 12 to 1 to finish in the top 5, 5 to 6 to 1 to finish in the top 10, and uh, plus 230 to finish in the top 20. Matt Kuchar, a lot of people like Matt Kuchar and a guy that a number of people had last week because he's such a good match play um, uh, golfer. Uh, missed the cut at the players and the Honda, but you said Genesis uh, and he finished eight at the Genesis. Tell us all the reasons why you like Kuchar this week. So Kuchar got some headlines last week, didn't he? Because I think he equaled the record for most ever wins in the match play. So that prompted me to take a little look at him and I think he's just about the best in this field for course form. He was second last year. He was 12th in 21. He was seventh the year before that. Um, 15th, if you go back to 2015 and fourth in 2014, there's pretty much nobody in this field that has played as consistently well at this course as Kucha has. Um, it's also worth noting the fields tended to be deeper in this tournament in previous years. I think because you've got all the elevated events now earlier in the season, Whereas the big names used to use this as a warm-up for Augusta, those same big names have been playing the elevated events earlier in the season. They're taking a week off this time. So I think all of that course form that Kucha has in better fields than this entitles him to go very close. Um, as you say, also came eighth in the Genesis. Um, good, week, good week in the match play. There was no shame in going down on the final hole to Jason Day. Um and again, I'm almost pleased that he didn't get past Jason Day because that gave him a couple of days off. And he just looks to be a very, very solid player from the front of the market here. Another guy, and, and by the way, um, 30, 30 to 33 to 1 to win, um, 600, 6 to 1 uh, to finish in the top 5, 3 to 1 to finish in, uh, in the top 10. JJ Spawn is another guy that you're looking at. Um, interesting. He, he missed the cut in, in four of his five previous um, tournaments prior to the Dell match play where he tied for ninth, but tied for 33rd at, Gen at Genesis. And he actually, his, his, his flat stick has been quite, quite good as of late. All the reasons why you like JJ this week, Simon. Yeah. I mean, I think you've always got to have a look at last year's champion um, and ask yourself whether 
um, it was a fluke or whether they could reasonably be expected to go well again. Um, last year, it was interesting. He gained ground in all aspects of his game around this course, off the tee approach, around the greens, on the greens. The clincher for me, you know, like you say, his recent form hasn't been that great, but he won his group 3-0 and in the match play. He was 15 under for 46 holes he played during that group stage. Um, and yes, he got beat by Xander in the last 16, but there's no shame in that. And he just looks to be a guy who will have targeted this event, having won it last year. And based on what I saw last week, he has to have decent prospects of top 10 at the very least. Um. And last but not least, uh, in regard to your big names, because I know you've got a few sleepers here that you're going to throw our way this week. But Ben Griffin, and I know, you know, I, I, you and I have been co- in contact for a short period of time, but I just feel like each and every week you've got a man crush on Ben Griffin. I totally believe it. Um, he made the cut in five straight tournaments, tied for 14th um, at Arnold Palmer's event. Uh, strokes game putting, he's, he's been on point. So I can see why you like him coming into this this event. Tell us all the reasons I have not mentioned. You've covered most of them, to be honest. Um, the first metric I look at is uh, total strokes gained in the field. He's eight in the field for total strokes gained in the last six months. Um, his position in the market is lower than eight, so that straight away identifies him as someone who might be decent value. Um, as you mentioned, his short game in particular has looked in great shape. The one concern I'd have is if he's got a weakness, it might be an accuracy off the tee, but he just seems to be a guy who's posting good result after good result, still on an improving trend. And again, like with Nick Taylor, I just feel he's a little undervalued in the market and I'm happy to play him at around 40 to 1. Yeah, 40 and- to 1 uh, to win, plus 850 to finish in the top 5, uh, 4 to 1 to finish in the top 10, plus 190 to finish in the top 20. So there's that. Also, before we start talking about your real deep sleepers, Simon, I just want to tee up some matchups for you. So, um, so let's let's. Uh, so Griffin is going up against Sam Ryder. You could get Griffin. This is tournament. This is all through. This is all four rounds. Hopefully, again, we're picking these guys. Hopefully, they play all four days. Uh, minus one thirty to uh, have a better tournament finish than Sam Ryder. Are you playing that with Griffin? I'm going to sit on the fence with that one only because Sam Ryder has had a few times this year where he's shown he can shoot really low. Um, I, his performance at Torrey Pines in particular, he looked great for about 70 holes of that. I favour Griffin, but it would be marginal. JJ Spawn over Thomas Detry, minus 120. JJ Spawn, all day long. He's my one of my outright picks and Detry, I think, is okay without ever threatening to be great and uh and nick taylor over adam shank minus 110 again i've got to be with nick taylor seeing as he was on my outright picks uh shank was so unfortunate two weeks ago um he got a horror lie didn't he off the tee on the 18th hole which was great for form golfer followers because that got taylor more over the line for us um i'd probably make that one fairly close to a toss-up Okay, so your favorite matchup heading into this is Spawn over Detroit. Of those, of those three, yes. of those three, got it, got it. Okay, uh, let's 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 end this podcast strong with two of your deep sleepers that you like. Yeah, well, last year we went pretty deep, and we put Bo Hostler up at one hundred and twenty-five to one, and he came tied sixth for us. I think just a couple of shots out of the win, so we'll 
put a couple of lesser known names up this week. Uh, the first of them is Kazuki Higa, who is a, I may have got that pronunciation wrong. Um, he's around 150 to one mark. Won't be a name that many people will know, but he's been working his way through the tours. He won multiple times on the Japan tour. He spent more time recently on the DP World Tour in Europe and has posted a string of top 20s there. And he seems to be just gradually working his way towards the big time. Do I think he's a likely winner? No, but I like the trend on his form at the moment. And he seems one of the more interesting players at a big price. You can get around five to one for a top 20, and that would certainly be an interesting way to get involved with him. And number two? Number two is Chesson Hadley. Um, Again, very much a wild card. I think on recent form, you would struggle to identify him. Um, But as I was looking back, I was looking for players who tend to outperform expectations at San Antonio. Um, Hadley's had a couple of top 25s. And as I mentioned earlier, the field has tended to be deeper in previous years here. So I do think he's a guy you could expect to outperform his recent form going into this week um, for all he's missed some cuts recently he's had a top 30 in Phoenix and at the Honda he made the cut at the players again all stronger fields than he's facing this week um, and I mentioned earlier the par 3 scoring and I think he was in the top 15 or 20 or so in this field for par 3 scoring that could certainly be helpful when he gets to some of the tough par 3s um, I can definitely see him making the weekend even if he did that, that would make 200 to 1 look a big price. And you can get 6 to 1 for him to come in the top 20. And I don't think that would be a bad way to go if you fancy playing an outsider here. Love it. Love it. Again, uh, log on to picks.formgolfer.com for all these plays uh, and some really, really good uh, benefits in regard to a number of sports books. Um, before we, we do sign off, Simon. Uh, we have the Masters that is coming our way in uh, in, in just a few in, in a week. Obviously, we're really excited. We're going to have a digital show uh, that we're going to launch that week, so that's going to be great. We're going to have a variety of guests who are going to join us on the digital show. So, so definitely stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm hoping that um, we will record that on Monday. So, uh, hopefully, you know, it will be posted to all our social media sites uh, on Tuesday, uh, hopefully April fourth. Uh, but, you know, just just looking ahead to the Masters, you know, what are some of your thoughts as you sit here right now um, as we're a week away? Well, my first thought is I'm super excited for it. This is more like Christmas week for me than Christmas week itself. Uh, Masters week for me is when the golf season really starts and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I also like it from a betting point of view because Augusta has some of the strongest trends of any of the tournaments. Um, it's always fun to uh, to pick some guys out and just watch them for four days over the probably the finest golf course in the world. So I'm really looking forward to it and really looking forward to doing the preview with you next week. Absolutely. So stay tuned for that, everybody. We're really excited about it. All right. Um, uh, again, thank you so much for uh, for tuning in to the podcast, getting you ready for the Valero uh, that tees off on Thursday morning. And uh, hopefully we have fed the people some winners. Simon, I appreciate you, my friend. I'll see you next week. Everybody, good luck betting. And again, we'll see you next week for the Masters.